Welcome to the Speakeasy, the officially unofficial podcast for Boardwalk Empire on HBO. I'm Jim. And I'm Aaron. And tonight we're talking about Season 5, Episode 6, titled The Devil You Know. Actually, not The Devil You Know, just straight up Devil You Know. You're the only devil I know, Jim. Also the title of Justified Episode. Oh, uh, yeah. That I vaguely remember with Dewey Crow. Mm. Uh, Dewey and maybe Dickie as well? Probably got, got a lot of crows, a lot of Bennett's. Yeah, yeah. Those are those Maybe are the a devils. smattering of crowders. <laughs> Probably. A light sprinkling of crowder. We are not here to talk about Justified. We're here to talk about... Not yet. Gotta wait till January. Boardwalk Empire, yeah. Uh, what did you think of this episode? The the third to last episode ever of Boardwalk Empire. Yeah. I feel like it's the best episode of the season, which has been fairly, I mean, I've kind of inclined to be worried and hate this season because it's shortened and I don't buy the whole, oh yeah, we wanted to wrap it up with a seven year flash forward and an eight episode season. Uh-huh. But it has led to a lot of compression and a lot of really, you know, the setup feels like it was compressed and the action is just unspooling at a phenomenal rate. Mm-hmm. When Van Alden died... Yeah, I was pretty confident that Chucky, Jesus, Chucky <laughs> would live to fight another day. And no. when they, they took them both out, mm-hmm. it was surprising. And I think the way they staged that, Dr. Narcisse and Chuck Chucky, will he, won't he? Is he going to live? He's going to die. Are they going to work together? Is How do I feel about that? It was yeah. pretty masterful. And uh, I think that they gave Chucky... As fitting a send-off as they did Richard Harrow last season. And it was really emotionally poignant. And They're Michael K. Williams' yeah. acting job was just phenomenal. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, how he can convey a face etched with so much pain and also so much peace... With not, I mean, like if you drew a picture and like you know did like uh, <laughs> highlights for children style, circle the differences and and it's it's pretty much a a, a Michael K. Williams scowl mm-hmm. with just a five percent tweak here and there, but that makes all the difference. Sure, sure, you can really tell what he's thinking. I, Boardwalk Empire has always been really good at character deaths, uh, from you know uh, Jimmy all the way up to. Richard Harrow and now Chalky and Van Alden as well. I mean, Van Alden yeah. went out in a perfectly satisfactory way, right? Yeah, there was an interesting mini feature on HBO Go this week because they always have the behind the scenes stuff, but they also had one, The Anatomy of a Mob Hit. Okay. Where um, Howard Corder, who's the writer of this, uh, Tim Van, I think it's Patton, mm-hmm. um, who's yeah. a frequent director on the show. And Terrence Winters sat in like a film booth and they just watched a supercut of all of the mob hits and talked us through like, you know. From their own show or from? Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah, yeah. Boardwalk Empire. They talked through yeah. like the filming challenges and what they're trying to convey. And mm-hmm. and it was just really interesting. And, and you forget how many times people die on this show. Because he always thinks like, yeah. oh, the last episode or two. <laughs> people get killed at a pretty remarkable rate on the show. They do, and they're not always super important people. No. But but even when they're not, it's uh, some good action. Sure. What so, do you yeah, think? I, I really enjoyed this episode. I thought, like, the other thing that it, Boardwalk Empire does, and the thing that the run-up to the end of a series does to change the series fundamentally is that mm-hmm. no one feels safe. 
Right. Like, I, aside from a couple of characters who I know live because of the history of right. the show um, and prohibition and organized crime, anyone is up for grabs here uh, as far as death is concerned. Right. And that really brought a lot of attention, especially to the scene with the Van Alden and Eli in Capone's office. I'm thinking either of these guys could die, both of these guys could die, neither sure. of them could die. Sure. It's not like in the Walking Dead episode this you know the the season premiere where I know none of these guys are going to die. Right. Uh, the, there, there you know, you got a pretty good idea who's not going to die, who's going to die. I and I will put I will go one step further. Uh-huh. When Van Alden came at Al Capone and started invoking our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, I'm like, are they going to pull an inglorious bastards? revisionist history sort and of just thing. do like and how would i feel about that and then just as mm. i was kind of like coming to grips about oh my god <laughs> uh the federal agent shot him in the head yeah and you got to think if if d'angelo didn't do it somebody in that room was going to right I like his know. brother pulls him off capone Did somebody he have a gun on him i mean that's that's a good question but you could rush in and pull the guy off Sure, I mean, well. he could have, but they turned up, the, the thing is, is they turned up the music. Yeah. Uh, and a lot of things could happen there, you know? It's like, what, it, I was kind of surprised that Mike pulled the trigger. I mean, we should probably wait until we get into the episode to discuss more okay. of this. But overall, yeah, I thought it was a great episode. And maybe hard, the best this season. Hard to believe there's only two episodes to go. I know. Still, and, and, and as that central theme becomes clearer, which it seems like it's going to be Nucky's original sin. Mm-hmm. Uh, I still have a hard time how how they're going to make information we already know be resonant and also make uh, and tie in uh, Jillian, tie in what I think is Jimmy Darmody's son, Tommy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How they're going to tie all that and make it emotionally satisfying. Uh, I'm very curious whether we'll see Narcisse, whether we'll see daughter Maitland again. I don't know. Um, this episode was written by Howard Quarter which uh, he's been mentioned a lot this season, and for good reason, he's written 24 episodes of Boardwalk Empire. Wow. That is almost half of the series (laughs) he's been involved in writing. Uh, And interesting, he hasn't had a lot of other things of note. Um, You know, some independent stuff that I wouldn't recognize, but uh, it's pretty much Boardwalk, and he got a promotion to producer to this season, so he's been doing uh, writer-producer a lot. Hmm. Uh, It's directed by Jeremy uh, Podeswa, who's worked on just tons of shit, Six Feet Under, Carnival, Nip Tuck, Dexter, The Two Doors, Pacific, Weeds, Rubicon, True Blood, Homeland, American Horror St- Story, Asylum, and Coven, Coven, The Newsroom, The Walking Dead. Hmm. He's got a lot of television experience. Apparently so, yeah. So uh, we're in good hands. I think we're ready to get into the recap. Are you? Yeah, definitely. The Devil You Know. Uh, we Im- uh, resume immediately from the action we left off where daughter and Chalky and her daughter, daughter's daughter, and uh, they're waiting for the, the, the doctor, Narcisse, to mm-hmm. return. She says she's there to talk business, which is none of Chalky's, and she urges him to walk out while he, you still can. He responds by taking the key out the door and say, we'll both wait for him. Yeah. Well, <laughs> so, are you clear on the fact that Chalky knew that this was a suicide mission from the beginning? Seems like it. That he was yeah. going to walk in there, kill Narcisse, and then whatever happened, happened. Yeah. All right. That's kind of where I was at. And we'll kind of 
check in to see how this develops. But uh, we go to a scene at the old rumpus where it is slow. It's the middle of the week. Number nine, uh, who is going by the name of Joe Harper from Indiana, fell asleep because uh, it's so boring. Even the dancers are bored. Uh, I thought there was a great shot of the fan dancer just looking around like, oh, God, why am I even fucking here? <laughs> Mickey brags that uh, when he was this uh, number nine's age that he stuck up convenience stores with his cult and had his own gain at 16. He was an up-and-comer going places, to which Joe hilarious responded, what happened to you? Of course, yeah. Now, the, the interesting thing is he said, well, your father set me up with your mother, and it was all downhill. Joe fucking wigs out. He's like, what, 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 what? Uh, to me, this is throwing red meat to the Jimmy Darmody or the Tommy Darmody conspiracy theory. Yeah, yeah. Because why would he freak out about an obvious your mama joke mm-hmm. if his mother and father weren't significant to Atlantic City history? Sure. No, it's. I think that's what it's meant to do. Right on. Uh, then he says, uh, Mickey says, whatever, uh, go up, take sandwiches to the man, which he goes up to his apartment in the the old rumpus and he, he and Archie quickly find out that Nucky's gone. What triggers a flashback to silver age Nucky where he's woken by in the middle of his night by his wife, Mabel. They're now married. She's pregnant. She's making strawberry pies and, uh, in the middle of the night making yeah, strawberry you know, pies. You, uh, she sounds like she's got some stomach, some, some morning sickness, some, some pregnancy woes, nothing. Strawberry pies can't fix <laughs> lots of them. <laughs> Uh, Nucky, um, talks about having to introduce Jim Neary, mm-hmm. which if you remember, Jim Neary was an alderman from season one and two that betrayed Nucky in the plot to overthrow him as treasurer who took his treasury job and then was mm-hmm. executed. Uh, so we kind of know where he came from and where he's going. Um, but he complains that all the higher ups, including the Commodore call him Nucky, and uh, him and Mabel kind of joke about what that he sounds like a lingerie salesman offering people, offering fellas free cigars. <laughs> okay. And uh, he's, I guess he's kind of worried that he's not going to find his way or be successful, except for he says, hey, I've got you. And that's my most important asset. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there, there's this theme of getting ahead um, throughout this episode. And that seems to be what Nucky is focused on, both uh present day well, old nucky and young nucky as well it's like i i don't know why old nucky is focused on getting ahead i mean old nucky is on his way out and it yes. may not be apparent to him i guess yeah. but it is definitely apparent to us well it's like you know the whole has uh, like the jimmy john sandwich sign says the gap between more and enough never gets close never gets closed so We've talked about this earlier in the season. Most rational people, okay, yeah, you took a hit in the stock market, but you're still wealthier than almost every American. Mm-hmm. You could easily take that down to Cuba and retire if you wanted to, or do whatever you really want. But for some reason, he's not as big as he thought he'd be, and he needs to make one last score. I usually say more is enough when I vomit <laughs> when it comes to Jimmy Johnson. Well, your body has a natural way to deal with that problem when it comes yeah, to alcohol. Yeah. It tells me it's enough. <laughs> <laughs> um, Nucky, we go back to, uh, uh, am I calling this Golden Age Nucky? Uh, Silver Age Nucky? Silver Age Nucky is the the uh, guy, young Medium. guy with, with, with Mabel. Bronze yeah. Age is the youngest one? I think so. Okay, so it's Golden yeah. Age Nucky. 
Okay. Golden Age Nucky spent a lot of time with some serious broads in some dive bar in Atlantic City. Yeah. He identifies himself as Francis X. Bushman. Uh, this one girl... What does tri- the X stand for? <laughs> Whatever you need it to be. Uh, this one woman gives a hilariously inaccurate depiction of Nucky. Talks about how he's yes. a salesperson and he's got a wife, at, but he's wanting blowjobs from the secretary and... He loves his kids, and none of that is true, right? No, he doesn't even have kids. Well, and kind of, but he not never. Really. I, I, I never felt like he really. I guess he cared for him, but not. He did, yeah. Not like loved the kids for sure. And he doesn't have a secretary yeah. that he's wanting blowjobs from. I don't think uh, Grandpa Gus would would go in for that kind of thing, even if he's he did. Not a salesman. He is not a salesman. No. Um, he's a businessman, but not a salesman. Yeah. And uh, she says that this is the place where, because he's like, hey, I'm, I'm just like you. I want to hang out with people like me. And she goes, well, this is the place where Hope comes to get fucked in the ass. And he says, well, when does she show up? Because Hope sounds like a fun time. Uh, I thought Steve Buscemi was pretty funny in these scenes. Uh, yeah, yeah. Steve Buscemi is good at comedy. I don't know if you've seen him in any comedic mm-hmm. roles, but he is very funny. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, you could even argue. I think Fargo's a comedy, right? So, um, sure, it has its to, comedic to a, moments to a degree. Yeah, uh, I, I don't know. I like him as an actor, certainly. So Eli and Nelson are in Chicago and Al Capone's penthouse, and they're right outside his door, and they're planning the heist kind of on the fly. They're at the door. They're literally rehearsing this has what not they're going to do. Been thought out. This has not <laughs> been planned through. And then there's this weird moment where Eli says, "Hey, what I said about your spouse being an accident, I didn't mean it in the sense of something terrible." Where was he going? It can't help when the chubby money handler opens the door and's like, "What are you guys whispering about?" I yeah, it can't help. I mean, nothing he says here is going to help, right? And it does look like that this is the best place. This is the best time to plan something like that because by my count, there was like two dudes there. Yeah, yeah. And the chubby guy. And it turns out Al Capone's brother, Ralph. Uh, but it looks like it is indeed going to be relatively easy. And if the guy had known where the key was mm-hmm. and Ralph had not been <laughs> fucking some girl over a huge table full of money, uh-huh. I think that this probably would have gone off scot free. Potentially, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but. So what happens after this? Like that's thinking about planning this through. They obviously can't go back there. Like once they get these ledgers, they've got to what? Go on the lamb. Go. I'm assuming they go in whatever the 1920s version of or 30s version of witness protection is. Yeah, but then at the end, when Eli's left standing and D'Angelo has the records, he's like. Get a bus ticket. Go, go. Here's a dollar. Go. Turns out that's what the 1930s version of witness protection (laughs) was a one dollar bill crumpled up, thrown in your face. I thought it was a 10 spot. Oh, I thought it was one dollar. It looked like one to me. I thought it was enough to like maybe a week's worth of food and and get to California. Mm, Because the other thing is, think about how easy it was to disappear. Oh, in 1930s versus 2014. Yeah, you don't have. Credit cards or IDs to track or anything like I that. I was actually thinking about that. I, I, I can't remember in what circumstance. Maybe it was uh, something in the Nick I was watching. I started thinking about, man, how would you solve a crime? You don't have DNA evidence. You don't have fingerprints. Yeah. You don't we, have... We talked about this on the show. Maybe that's what it was. Yeah. Like how how the solution to everything was just kill the dude. Right. Because 
nobody's going to find out. You kill a dude, you throw a gun in the ocean, you throw a body in a field that's no Done. one's going to develop for 50 years. Yeah. And, they're, they're, that's the... and you really don't even need to get rid of the body, honestly. Like, yeah. if they find a dead body, they found a dead body. How do they connect it to anybody? I know, but it's like, it's all but impossible to have a murder case without a body. Sure, sure. Because, but no, I mean... That's, that is a good extra step, certainly. Conversely, <laughs> it seems very cr- strange that there are still unsolved crimes and so many of them nowadays yeah yeah we're, with we're all the forensics information that they've got but no i just i just feel like that that's you didn't need witness protection because there wasn't skip tracing and credit cards and social security they're probably well this was pre-social security wasn't it that was a new deal thing that so. happened in, yeah. in the lead up to world war ii so it's like mm-hmm. there wasn't even social security cards or any kind of national tracking system yeah so yeah just go to fucking florida uh, start paying for gold, and as long as you don't, you know, bring your family out there, you can just yeah don't, start a new life. Don't don't go talking about your past, and you're good. Nobody's running credit checks and background <laughs> checks when they hire you. Sure. So well, I don't know. Maybe that's that's that was the witness protection agency. I don't know. I I think this plan is ill conceived from the beginning. I mean, the, <laughs> so the plan was just to drop the bag, get the records, and get out immediately. Yep. yep. Which I think would have worked, because there was no reason for these guys to be suspicious. Well, I want to know more about how these drops usually go. Like, obviously, they don't let them into the room by themselves. So Eli was talking about, like, distracting the guys while Van Alden was... i buy that. Was... Sure. Was doing what? Like, emptying his briefcase of of bullshit? So here's the thing. And replacing it with the ledgers? Here's the thing. Why wouldn't the guys just go on the rounds and get the money? Like, they legitimately are yeah. do a drop-off. Yeah. Yeah, it seems right. like they could go around and get the money, except for it had to be done this very time because Al is out on the night right now, so they didn't have that time. Or you'd think the Treasury Department could whistle up a couple thousand dollars to throw in there. Yeah. If it's mint. It's of course, 20 grand. And I understand that they're not – people are going to like, well, they're expendable. They even explained it last night. Yes, they're expendable, but this is a one-time shot. Yeah. Because – D'Angelo knows that Al's going to take this shit and move it to Cicero, which I don't know yeah. exactly how that stops a federal investigation. Probably doesn't. But it probably but... at the least delays it mm-hmm. because they have to get the, a new office spun up and all this other stuff. So. Probably have to get a new warrant. I don't even know if they're working under warrants here. But I don't either. Pro- yeah. Probably new warrants, probably new authorization to go in. It's like, yeah, that changes things significantly. But at the same time, if you have an ill-conceived plan that is likely not going to work... Yeah, if you if, if he finds out that you're trying to snatch his books, you will never get another chance. No. He'll get paranoid, and he'll really hide He'll things. have those ledgers moving from place to place every goddamn night. So yeah. I felt and like it that was... that works in their favor right now, but... Yeah, and I, I wish I knew, because this is a radically different story than it's what's told in Kevin Costner's Untouchables, you know, where there was a train <laughs> heist and, uh-huh. you know, a, a, a fake corp... or a, a corpse that got shot and, like, all... And, and there was a train station interception of the bookie... or a bookkeeper, rather. I, I don't know what the real story is. That's the one word they're on the search for, yeah. dry land, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I, okay. I, won- I, I wonder... <laughs> What? <laughs> That's the movie where they're searching for dry land. Yeah, sure, yeah, sure. Okay. Uh, a lot New York of jet City skis is in like that 100 one. feet underwater. 
obviously it's hard to move ledgers around mm-hmm. uh, on your sure. oil tanker. Yeah. But I think that I, I wish I knew exactly how this went down and which one was more rooted in history. Because obviously it couldn't be a federal agent shot another federal agent to get in good with the boss so he's trusted with the ledgers. How it yeah. worked out. Yeah, actually but, talk Van Alden's ab- not a federal agent at this point, right? Well... Uh, he he's, claims he's a to federal be, but of agent, course he's but he's, but he's also a wanted murderer. Uh, okay, okay. And, and it's 1931. I mean, I, I guess there probably wouldn't be any in-depth in investigative journalism going on here. But uh, I want to talk about some of the other particulars of the scene because I thought it was delicious that uh, uh, Dominic Lombarduzzi or Dozy. Who the fuck that's, is that? That's Herc from The Wire. Lombard it's also Doozy. Ralph. It's 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 uh Lombardozy of a name. <laughs> Lombardozy. <laughs> um it's also Ralph. It's it's Al Capone's yeah, yeah. older brother. Mm-hmm. Sure. You know, he famously had a scene where he walked in on uh, as as Herc, as one of the mayor's bodyguards, walked in on the mayor having yeah, sex. I remember that. And I thought that was an interesting callback that now he the, yeah. the worm has turned. Um, <laughs> but he's like uh, – and, and the guys try to like nope out of there as quick as possible. Yep. But it's not going to happen. And uh, he's like dumps the thing on the table. What do you think if that had $5,000, case closed? We're just, hey, man, you really – you put a gun in our mouth the last time we fucked up. We really want to make sure we didn't fuck up. Probably story yeah, yeah. over, and you could live to fight and try to get the books another day. Definitely. Uh, but it's full of funny strips cut up, and that ain't going to go. And mm-hmm. uh, Ralph says, go find Mike D'Angelo. Also, why bother to cut up the newspaper? Like, if they open that bag, you're fucking busted. Yeah. Why bother to, to weigh, slice it up? It needs to weigh something. Yeah, yeah just throw newspapers in it. Sure. I don't know. Um, a little too clever. Or if, if you want to go half-ass, like... Cut it approximately the same size of dollar and then put the dollars on the outside. You know, you got to do the bubs sure. trick from the wire. Yeah, yeah, You got to yeah. put the fake money in with the real money and, and mm-hmm. you know, then you won't get your ass beat. Anyway, um, we go back to the office of Dr. Narcisse and Chalky and Daughter are there. And he said, and a pretty moving scene that there's seven years, only thing got me to sleep was the voice, sound of the voice in your, a sound of your voice in my head. Then I realized that I didn't even remember what you sounded like, so it's like I made you up. And I hmm. thought that was pretty poignant. Definitely, yeah. Uh, Chucky's been a man on the run for a long time. About then, daughter's daughter wakes up, which we uh, find out her name is Althea, and she's born in Oklahoma, and Chucky kind of makes some small talk, which is, which is endearing. And we find out she works for a white man in Memphis, which Chucky's just... He is suspicious the daughter's getting plowed this entire conversation. By it's Narcisse. like, who are you fucking? I know you're fucking this guy. You know, it's like, she's just is such a jealous boyfriend. Yeah, yeah. And, she, and he goes, what does she do for your mama? Or wait, what does she, your mama do for this white man? And she says, I clean his toilets. Uh-huh. In his sexy maid outfit. Then it's I not, suck his cock. No, uh, no, she left that part out. glamorous, yeah. <laughs> Uh, but Narcisse comes in, and he does the kind of similar small talk with the girl and informs her that you know your name, Althea, means healing. And mm-hmm. uh, then we're kind of like, this is a, a, I don't know, what would you, what kind of standoff would you call this? Where mm-hmm. the other man is armed with nothing but an emotional manipulation, and one man has a gun, and there's a woman and child in the room. It's a, <laughs> I don't even know. It's uh, a Chalkian standoff. 
Let's go with that. A, a German Belgian standoff? <laughs> like I, I don't a even Dutch know. Dutch rudder standoff. Yeah. Um let's go back to Silver Age Nucky, shall we? And this is a okay. super crush scene, which I I watched this episode a total of four times, Jim. Four times because You're I, crazy. Well, first two times because it was kind of my job, and I also watched it an extra time than the first night. I just ran it back and like I'm gonna see that again. And then I watched it with my girlfriend mm. who wasn't able to hang with our new new watching schedule. Um, and it was took the third viewing before I realized the significance of this scene mm-hmm. because it plays on one level. He's just shaking down Mr. Glass for protection money, and Mr. Glass is barking back about, you know, times are tough, and we're going to have a hurricane season, and, you know, poor me, and also you need to get this dirty little monkey. Yeah. But also, while this is playing out, you see a police officer escorting what looks like an immigrant mother and her daughter to the Commodore. The Commodore takes her into her hotel, and then we see Nucky see this woman looking very worried and confused and maybe like she wasn't entirely told the truth about what's going on. And we know from – well, we know from previous seasons, the governor's proclivities and from his stash of child porn, that's a pretty dark scene. Yeah, definitely. And it's I, – I like how it's just kind of there in the scene. It's not really – yeah. Like, I didn't notice it at all until no, you told I, me right before the podcast, hey, did you notice this scene? Yeah, I was like, like no. Nope. I, I want to talk about this. We need, so we, we watched it again. And yeah, we just completely missed it the first couple of times. That feels like the way to tell a great story. Like, a, a great way to tell a good story. And here's the thing. Like, we know that Nucky is one, one of the things we think of him as being a dirtbag. One of the things he feels like is his worst moment is when he sells Jillian out to the Commodore. Yeah. They're on pace to make this worse than you can think of. Like this wasn't something where he didn't know what was going on. It feels like Nucky is seeing this Mm -hmm. and I don't, I haven't seen the last two episodes, but it feels like they're building this up to where him taking advantage of Jillian is his way to get ahead. And that is really, really hard. I mean that, yeah, that is that would be a hard thing to live with, and it's a hard thing for us as viewers to watch and then be like, "Oh yeah, Nucky, we've been liking him for a long time." Sure, his whole it kind of turns it built, on its head at the end. Built on a very terrible thing, yeah. Child sexual slavery, sure, <laughs> not a good thing, not at all. Uh, so anyway, uh, that's that scene. We then go to Golden Age Nucky reciting the si- song of Hiawatha. Uh, which he fucks up who knows how long. This is an epic, epic uh, poem um, by Longfellow, uh, Longfellow okay. and he apparently had to memorize it in his youth, and he fucks it up, so he has to strip, because that's the game of strip epic poem recital. Yeah, strip poetry, sure. <laughs> I've played that before. Sure. It ended badly. I don't know very many poets. They're drinking the worst. <laughs> <laughs> They're drinking, let alone epic. It's like, you know, got yeah, Homer... Yeah. Whoever the fuck wrote Beowulf. I tried to do Shell Silverstein. They wouldn't accept it. I was like, God damn it. Um, so he's drinking the worst rot gut booze in town, and he suggests they go to the Ritz Carlton, which doesn't fit his, you know, floor polish salesman. And they're yeah. like, you know, how are you going to go there, Francis? They know me. And he's like, yeah, they know me, but I'm, but I'm not them. I'm more like you. And but then he goes on this long soliloquy about what's the point? You know, everyone tries to get ahead, but what's the point? And how does a man live with himself? And mm-hmm. an old crusty curmudgeon tells him to shut the fuck up. <laughs> uh, tells him to eat spoon shit out of his own asshole and eat it. Pretty good lines. From Says this he's going to punch the tits off of his woman. <laughs> yeah, and I'm not sure if the squirrel face cunt refers to 
Nucky or, or the, the other girl? Mm, yeah. Uh, it could go to Nucky, I think. Yeah. I mean, he's definitely a squirrel-faced. Mm-hmm. And I don't think the other women were particularly squirrel-faced. So I'm no, going to say it's Nucky. No. I'm going to say okay. it's Nucky. I'm with you. Uh, but uh, then they uh, Nucky insists the guy apologize. He says, make me. And Nucky, in the way Nucky often does, just takes him to town. Like, sure. beats the man down. Beats, like, I'm always vaguely surprised when Nucky wins a physical fight. Me too. But name a physical fight he hasn't won. He beat Eli. Uh, several times. Yeah. And Eli's a much uh, more statured man than this drunk in the bar. So I, mean, I was expecting him to win. I was he, like, yeah. He, he defended win. himself competently against the machete wielding assassin. Yep. Earlier yep. in the, the episode, he survived the bomb. This is a physically tough man, even though he doesn't look like it. Sure. So he beats the shit out of that guy, and then he comes back down, and these women are clearly have the, had their panties blown off of them, or at least I thought on first watching, and he says yeah. his reward, he wants to fuck them both. Yep. So there you go. That looks like it's lining up for him. Uh, Mike D'Angelo comes back in. We're in Chicago, by the way. We're in the Golden Age. Yeah. And the Eli trying to make up a story on the spot, mm-hmm. we came to rob the joint <laughs> again this is gallows humor but it's so funny it is it's awesome because he's making up a story that he knows is likely going to get him in trouble yeah but in maybe less trouble than he would be in if he said i'm a federal i'm working with the feds and we were here to steal the ledgers to prove to send you to prison like I'm here to rob the joint. He thinks maybe Capone will forgive him for that. I just wonder, yeah, right? Or like, maybe we fall in hard times. We got wives and children and all that shit. Well, I think what he's, I think they're in their mode is that they know that my, if Mike D'Angelo takes them out to take care of them, then they're going to come out of there with their lives. Yes. So they're just saying whatever they're going to say that's not going to piss off Mike. Mm hmm. Uh, and it's because also, you know, they don't want to go to jail. Um, although it seems like that's what would happen. Although I, they fucked up the the whole deal. Yeah. So they're they're in a really horrible situation at every turn during this this and the previous scene. I was like, oh, no. Oh, no. Can it possibly get any worse? Oh, no. Ralph has found them out now. Sure. Oh, no. Al Capone is back at this point. Mm. Now they're really fucked. Like. It seems like if they were to rat D'Angelo out here. You know, yeah. They might get forget, but but they're still implicit in this whole thing. I don't know, because Al has a soft spot for kids. Um, uh-huh. As historically, not just on the show. I mean, he's the one that, like, pushed for milk expiration dates because some kid he knew died from botches oh, wow. and milk, and he huh. ran soup kitchens, and he tried to be good guy Capone while getting rich off the back of murderous violence. Sure. <laughs> Anyway, you know, D'Angelo Barksdale. Uh, D'Angelo Barksdale? Or no, Avon Barksdale had his neighborhood barbecues. They're not all bad. Oh, okay. Bought in the kids' kicks. Um, yeah. But I think that he might have been, if, if they had just thrown him out of his feet and said, look, this this Mike is a federal agent and he had my boy's life in his hands. And yeah. like if it's like we didn't want to. Or if they just, instead of going along with the feds, mm-hmm. if they just said, look, a fed tried to turn us. Like, he'd just gone right straight to him but, and said... But, but they apparently did turn them, because they're there with a suitcase full of No, I know fake that, money. but I'm saying, like, you think of, like, what's the survivability if they'd immediately, as soon as they got in that mission and were let go, 
with the fake money and they gone right to Capone and, and reported. So we need to see the boss. I mean, there's something he needs to know about this. Yeah, we yeah. just got tried to got recruited. We came right to you. Here's the scheme. They're going to try to do this. I think they played it the right way. Yeah. I think you got to get D'Angelo to to get you out of that situation because I think Al Capone is going to kill them. Van Alden has already had a gun to his head for suspected uh, governmental activity. So he's probably dead in this scenario regardless. Sure. Like, if he rats out D'Angelo, then he's like, yeah, well, he did turn you. You're unreliable and untrustworthy, so bang, you're dead. Yeah. I think they played it right. Oh no! I think you're. I, I think it just. Didn't... I'm just questioning whether they should have gone right to Capone uh, when they initially were recruited, instead of like, well, I guess we got to do this thing. Yeah, yeah. Then they might be under Capone's protection. And now, then you if Mike had wonder... come with them to supervise, I'm kind of surprised he didn't. Although that would also doom them if they got caught. Um. Yeah. But it's a tough situation all around. It is. It is. Um, <laughs> but this the, again, this is a very funny scene because yeah. Ralph's trying to interrogate him. And he's like, you know, why did you think these... Or no, it wasn't Ralph. It was actually Mike. He's like, why did you try to rob Al Capone? My wife told me to. We're having trouble at home. <laughs> and then Eli, I, I, I can vouch for that. Yeah, yeah. Oh, he my God. definitely having trouble at home. So Ralph said, hey, Mike, you need to take care of these guys. And then just when you think... They're going to get away. Al, and as soon as Al Capone comes in the door, you know. Yeah, I, I audibly said, oh, no. Yeah. Oh, this, these guys are in hot water. This can't ever. And and he explains he's got these Hollywood types, which we met in the, the, the last yeah. episode. They're going to do a crime drama that's going to be loosely based on his life. Well, now they have something to write about. Sure. Because you can tell they hear it in the other room. Like, he says, turn up the radio. Oh, my God. That's not going to muffle a gunshot. Maybe if you put on, like, some Pantera or some, like, Sepultura (laughs) or something. But even that shit is not going to muffle a gunshot. Not a gunshot. 1930s swing music. Like, what the fuck? Yeah. A gunshot sounds like a gunshot. It does, yeah. So, uh, but he finds out, he can see from the tenor of the room that something's wrong mm-hmm. and he's still trying to be nice guy Capone to his guests. But he's like, I need to talk to you guys in my private room, shuts the door. Uh, we then go to uh silver age Nucky where there's a freak show going on, which I, I don't the, think that's a bearded the, lady. The bearded I think that's just lady. a dude in a dress. It that's is pretending to be a bearded lady. I think that's what most bearded ladies were back then. Right. But I've seen women with beards. Okay. Like the Amish community, but they're probably seems loaded with them. <laughs> they're probably few and far between. And I can say as I'd much imagine. shit as I want about the Amish because if you listen to my listen. podcast, shame on you. What about during Rumspringa? They well, can, they're they probably laughing and 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 and, and uh, you know uh, snorting blow and smoking yeah. weed and thinking it's the <laughs> funniest right, thing man, ever. And there are a lot of bearded ladies. <laughs> Brother Aaron's got him pegged. <laughs> uh, wait till the bishop hears of this. Uh, anyway. <laughs> So uh, Eli and Nucky are talking on the boardwalk, and Eli's wanting to get ahead. He's like, "Hey, yeah. Nucky, I want, uh, mm-hmm. I, I want to, I want you to carve me out a spot." Sure, you don't have a choice. And uh, Nucky says, "Look, you got to be patient, and you got to trust me," which is something that they've never been able to quite get the hang of. Mm, yeah, and he goes off on the soliloquy about going off to June to Brigadine, where she lost her hair ribbon and the grass and and kangaroo pouches got felt up, and. Uh, yeah, Nucky's attention is elsewhere, though. He sees the dirty monkey selling cigars. Yeah. 
and uh, gives chase, uh, goes under the boardwalk where the dirty monkey is nowhere to be found, but his stash box, mm-hmm. I'm going to preserve the surprise for the listeners, his stash box is buried, half buried in the sand, and Nucky finds out and decides he's going to stake this thing out. Preserve the surprise. I think you're preserving it for me, too. I don't know what you're talking about. His stash box. Oh, oh. The okay. dirty monkey with an obvious penis, of course. <laughs> stash box. Uh, this is the ultimate uh, preteen stash box. I saw gum. I saw booze. I saw uh, random photos. I don't know what the photos were of. So I feel like she said, oh, whoa, whoa. I feel like he. I feel like yeah. he sells cigars to actually buy the food and, and live, mm-hmm. but they're also ripping off like toys and games and stuff that kids would be interested in. That's like their personal possessions. Yeah, yeah. So that's what what I got from that. Uh, doing a brisk business though. She's actually he's actually stealing a lot. I'm not pulling this off very well. <laughs> no. Uh, back to the golden age. We're in Capal. We're in Capone's uh, private quarters where he's talking to his Capals. <laughs> And he seems genuinely wounded. Like, what did I do to you guys? I've given you like a leg up. Uh, uh-huh. You know, I took I Eli took you in. in as a favor to your brother, and yeah. now you're robbing. Like, he just it doesn't compute in his mind. He wants to understand it before he deals with it. Yeah, like he doesn't factor in the fact he just had a gun in Nelson's mouth, and maybe that that wasn't quite ruling by love, like you said, and that uh, Eli's a drunk (laughs) and seems like he's a surly asshole all the time. Mm -hmm. Uh, And the whole thing where he's like, I thought we were buddies. We we are buddies, Al. And he's like, what kind of of man steals a greedy? I'm I'm very greedy. (laughs) Oh, I'm greedy too. Again, they're desperately trying to like just let Mike take care of us. Let Mike, you've got people in here. Yeah. They're playing the odds, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and he says, then then Capone starts figuring out. He goes, I actually don't think you're here to rob me. I think you're something up to something. I think that Charlie Luciano's right. You're a fucking badge. And at this point, uh, as soon as Ralph turns up the radio and a gun stuck in his face, he does this cool judo move and goes on this, I am Nelson <laughs> Casper Van Alden. I'm a sworn agent of the United States Treasury. Yep. And I swear by Jesus Christ that I will br- bring you to justice. If it's the last thing, boom, his eye gets blown out. Yep. And Great I just thought stuff. it was – and also it's unintentional comedy because Al's like – can you believe this? Yeah. Like, how long a con was this? Nine years ago, I meet this guy selling irons. <laughs> the irons. The, the irons. And then he, he informs on Obed. It's like, you just see in his mind, like, my God, these feds are yeah. fucking deep cover. You're talking it's about making you paranoid, right? Yeah. Like, this incident has got to make him more paranoid. And he's like, that little great line is like, you know, Ralph, as we use barbers, we'd be in bed now. Like. Uh, this is kind of like the gangster, like, what a life I'm living. Sure. Um, so he tells Mike to uh, – and then, and then um, at this point, for whatever reason, I've never seen – I've never seen Eli afraid to die. Uh, I don't think Eli has much to live for at this point. But he is afraid to die now. He's – you know, it's like he's wild-eyed with terror. Wild-eyed with terror. He's begging June – uh, for forgiveness, and mm-hmm. then Capone goes to work on him, and he brilliantly gives up Ness as the pro. He actually feeds him the truth, but then substitutes Ness to keep Mike's cover. Yeah, and uh, Mike looks. This whole scene looks like he just swallowed a live goldfish. <laughs> and 
Ralph says, well, what are we going to tell his brother? And he goes, don't worry about it. Luciano's taking care of him. Uh, I thought it was interesting that Nelson looked like he had a slight smile on his face. When he's dead on the floor. When he's dead on the floor. That that, yeah. that was kind of like, I mean, in his mind, do you think in that last moment of a justice boner that he's thought that that atoned for everything he's done? I could see him thinking that. Because he's, he's that kind twisted. of guy, right? Yeah, yeah. Like, sure, I I drowned this man in a river, but I did it for a good cause. It's the Kanye West theory. I made Jesus walks once, so now I can do whatever the fuck I want, <laughs> and I'm going to heaven. <laughs> sure, sure. I, got, I worked Jesus' name in there, so I'm good. Yep. Um, but I, I thought it was definitely a, a hint of a smile on his face. And just as the scene kind of winds down, Mike's called back in the office, and Ralph says, hey... Uh, you know, Al really thanks you for everything he's done for saving his life. And also here's the ledgers. As soon as you get done, take care of this guy. Yep. Run these to Cicero. Gave it to the wrong guy. Which obviously is a successful operation. Only one person died. <laughs> yeah. Only by luck though. No, truly, truly. But it did, you know, cause so it's one of those things where I don't think that treasury agents or any kind of police officers allowed to murder people in the line of duty. I don't think so, no. So, you know, and obviously, eventually, Al Capone is taken down in a way that's kind of like this. Yeah, yeah. So, I don't know what, like, if he commits murder in the act of gaining these ledgers, does that make the evidence... I feel like it in would. 1930s time. I even? watched this documentary on the Hell's Angels and the the case that was going on uh, with them oh, and yeah. how they had a very very deep undercover sure. operation right. on some of these guys. Uh-huh. Uh, and that there was always a line like they could do, do drugs, drugs, but you can they have couldn't sex participate with in any right? kind of violence against people. Hmm. Like they they couldn't go. Uh, I don't know, shoot up a bunch of people in a casino or anything. Man. Um, but they did use somebody's, I want to say natural or accidental death as um, leverage by pretending that they had done it. What's well, like that one Murphy's Law show we watch where the cops pretended to, they they yeah, turned yeah. someone, pretended to kill him, and then put him in witness protection so the body would be gone. Uh-huh. Seems like you could do stuff like that. Sure. Yeah. That's just deceiving criminals. That's sure. not such a big deal. Cops can lie to you. Yeah. That's yeah. something they can they do. They don't have to tell you they're cops. <laughs> no. I'm sorry to disappoint you. No, uh-uh. Uh-uh. Uh, so we'll see what happens with Ledgers. I'm kind of interested to see how fast this all goes down. Yeah. Uh, at Down in the bottom of the elevator in the lobby, uh, obviously Eli's a little shell-shocked, and he wonders what happens to me, and uh, D'Angelo wads up a $10 bill, I think, throws it at him, says, buy a bus ticket. Yep. What's Eli do now, man? Buys a bus ticket. He goes to Atlantic City? I, I think he goes right back home. But he goes to his wife. He goes to his kids. And they pack up and get the fuck out? Uh, potentially, yeah. Or he goes back and he makes some trouble for Nucky. And maybe not even intentionally. Really? He's but... also in a position where he could go and t- and give relevant information to Nucky. Like, you can't, you can't trust Capone. True. They think yeah. I'm dead. Uh, you know, I'm no longer wanted by the law. Well, yeah, I don't know. If you're supposed to be dead... It, I, I think he goes back to Atlantic City and, and uh, teams up with Nucky again. Okay. Maybe. I don't see the percentage, but, percentage in him, and how would he fuck yeah. him over? He's one man. And I guess it's been seven years since Nucky actually wanted to kill him. 
He goes to New so York City maybe. to Lucky Luciano. Oh, Jesus. Because he hears that, that Luciano has turned on him, and he it was obviously on the phone call with Al. Yeah. He could go, I mean, if he wanted to be a bastard one last time, <laughs> he could go and help him take out. He could. Yeah, I, I don't know. I feel like I feel like he's headed to Atlantic City. Okay. Uh, either for his family or for Nucky. Right on. Okay, so we're out and behind the place that sells the worst alcohol, the worst booze in Atlantic City, and the two barflies, which I don't know what their names are. Um, you know, they're, they're the tough broads, mm. uh, that almost got the tits punched off, but, uh, <laughs> he wants to just fuck him right there in the grimy alley Ugh. because he's really into gutter fucking tonight. He's got the Ritz Carlton right next door where he knows people and can get a That's room. That's not what he wants. For some reason. Yeah. He wants the alley. He wants to be authentic again. He wants to go back to his roots. Yeah, he does. He wants to reject everything, all of this, the nice veneer that he's worked to get ahead and kind of this is part of his self-loathing, I feel like. Um, yeah, I mean, maybe it's finally coming. I mean, we're seeing this come to a head with the Jillian stuff as well. So yep. maybe that is finally, he's finally unable to reconcile that in his head one last time. And he's going back to before he made all his money, before he was Nucky Thompson. Right on. So uh, just as he about about gets in the girl B's pouch, uh, he gets sapped by girl A. Mm-hmm. And instantly goes down. I was totally wrong about who these people were. Oh, you thought... I thought maybe he goes to Cuba, and this was uh, right Wheat's daughter. I or... thought it might be Wheat's daughter or Wheat's sister, because yeah. they kind of looked that. There's some people they saying do. that it was Lucy, which that's just wrong-headed. Lucy, I don't know who Lucy is. Lucy was his girlfriend in season one. Oh, a flapper Jesus. that came out of the cake. Yeah, and... yeah, she was a redhead. No, she was And she was thin. We talked about this. Like, maybe, oh, she got depressed after uh, Margaret got one over on her. Well, not only that, but she ended up getting pregnant by Van Alden and having a baby in an apartment alone. When her wife came in, it was like a fucked up way to end the story. It totally was. So, no, I didn't suspect we'd see her again. But Hmm. but anyway, um, we go back to, it's still the golden age. We're in Dr. Narcisse's, Narcisse's office and uh, chalky's interrogating uh, daughters and you know what what did you come here for we find out the doctor narcisse is cock blocking her singing singing career that he's blackballed her he's got the records he doesn't want to hear him yeah and he doesn't want anybody anybody else to hear him or anyone to promote her or do anything why and, is he doing that and i well because he's bitter that she rejected him for chalky so why he beat, he beat why her half the she death. leave well, she's that's just what I'm worried saying. that he's going to find her again. And he, she's left, but he keeps blackballing her. But so I mean, he's so she's he's still got her thumb on him on her the whole time. But why couldn't she pull an Eli and just get the fuck out? But then what? She's going to clean toilets the rest of her life. Go sing somewhere else. But the, he, she can't. Why? Why? This is the 1930s, man. But you can't tell who killed a man. Yes, she could go off and clean toilets. He can't. But she's an attractive black woman who says got the voice of an angel. That Uh was if if she steps up to a promoter, that's going to be noticed. It gets back to him, and he blackballs her. Like she went to. to, But but what power does he have over her? He's a big promoter. Fine, but what if she goes with another promoter? What I'm saying How is he apparently he's so powerful. Now, he that's the funny thing is he denies it in the scene. He makes that same argument. Oh, you vastly overestimate my reach and my power. 
But then when he well, strikes, I his, guess that's what I don't fully understand is how powerful. Why is he powerful? How powerful is he? I feel like that he might be the most powerful black gangster in America. That's fine, but certainly he doesn't reach to San Francisco, for instance. Well, but the other thing is, like, black entertainers... I'm just guessing, because I'm pretty ignorant of it, but I'm just mm-hmm. guessing that black entertainers have a much harder time breaking in than white. Oh, I'm sure, So yeah. they need guys like Narcisse, who have power and influence to go to bat to get them into... Because she was, you know, playing kind of sure. like the black entertainer circuit. Yeah, yeah. Largely the white clubs, but ones that catered to kind of the exotic, you know... Yeah, before it became the old rumpus. Right, right, right. When it's still the onyx. <laughs> yeah. So I feel like that if you're a black entertainer at the time, if you're a Cab Calloway or Louis Armstrong or whatever, you depend on Narcisse. He's like the Don King of singing promoters. But I know for a fact that there is a shitload of stuff going on in L.A., right? Is there in 1930? Yeah. I think there is, as far as music goes, especially. Yeah. Like, California is kind of the place to be, and... I can't imagine that Narcisse's power reaches all the way across the country. Yeah, I don't. Uh, although he says as soon as the deal that we're about to get to is struck, uh, he immediately says, pick a city, I will make a call, and you will be booked tomorrow. So it's like he completely flip-flops hmm. and claims to have that power that he didn't have. But he's unwilling to use it for her? Yeah, because, because he's, he's pissed off. Sure. He's bitter. He no, wants I, I get punisher. that, yeah. So I think that that all tracks pretty clean. Now, here's the part that doesn't track. Um, You know, he plays this pity song that Luciano's leaning on him, uh, or this pity act, and he can't even do business in his own house Mm -hmm. without being free. And he says... It's the the scenario they've set up time and again in Boardwalk where they're allowing you to keep what you have and that should be right you should look at that as a gift yeah and no one ever does <laughs> oh thanks i get to keep the shit i already you own. can't yeah. yeah yeah although the implied thing is or you lose everything including your life so. i know but no I, that's insulting as a, as a yeah. man of of color as a man of and what i buy by that i mean as a man of passion um okay. it's hard for a guy like nucky or Chalky, or Narcisse yeah. to accept that kind of deal. Yeah. So Narcisse flips the script and says, why don't you join me? You're clearly a powerful and talented fellow. I can carve out a place in my empire, and you'll be well-paid, well-treated. I didn't buy this for a second. Well, simply because Chalky really has nothing to offer him at this point. I, I don't know that that's true. Like, guys that can lead men and kind of navigate the underworld and are tough are not that easy to come by. Like, as a, his value as a lieutenant, his value as a soldier mm-hmm. is not zero. Yeah, I just don't – I don't buy that I, – I guess I'm just suspicious of Narcisse to begin with. True, true. we know that, and that he's that was my asshole. first thought. Like, I, I flip-flop yeah. back and forth between he's going to fuck Chalky over, the, the no, he's going to keep his word. Because, again, I'm like – Okay, he doesn't trust Chalky, but he also has daughter as a continually a continual leverage over him. So he could he does, think yeah. that well, if I die and she no longer has my patronage, then she, you know, will be stuck and she'll be blackballed again. Or I, I, I don't, I don't know. But yeah, but for it's weird for a guy who is as apparently powerful as he claims to be. In this mm-hmm. scene, to make one phone call to any city, I'll get you whatever sure. you need, that kind of shit. Versus working with 
a sworn enemy who has tried to kill him uh and and needing chalky in some way that's that those two ideas don't mesh i'm not together. disagreeing with you because my first reaction was chalky is going to die yeah, yeah, but that kept getting reevaluated throughout the episode because sure. again, it's like, well, it is two episodes left to go, mm-hmm. and um, but my first not initial thought was that he's going to live. He asked Doctor Narcissi to put on the album. He does, and again, I've already said it. This a very dark scene, and it's also very hard to see uh, Mr. Williams' face because he himself is a very dark man. Sure. And you could almost just really make out and his he's, scar. He's under and, a hat too, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. And but yet still, like they got the hint of like wetness in his eyes, and that scowl yeah. just kept pulling deeper and deeper. You can see how much. <laughs> I don't know. Like I, I, I don't want to say pain is the no, right word. No, it's kind of a beautiful scene. Yes, uh, the it's moment a beautiful when pain. He... It's nostalgia. It's the yes. Don Draper yes. Kodak carousel. It's exactly speech. that. Yeah. Uh, what he had to take five minutes of dialogue, he did in 30 seconds of FaceTime. <laughs> uh-huh. And he, after it's over, uh, he listens for like 15 seconds and says, I'll take the bargain. And yep. daughter Maitland obviously thinks that Narcisse is going to fuck him over and she tries to tell him no. Mm-hmm. And I think that they all but confirmed that this daughter's daughter is Chucky's daughter because yep. she said that, you know, uh, he explained that her old, her dad, that, that her her mama loved him, but she had to leave, which is exactly what happened. He uh, says, hey, I got some advice. Stick close to your mama. Keep away from men like me. <laughs> he kisses Dr. Maitland on the cheek, and then Narcisse says, our collaboration begins. And that's when I started to doubt. I was like, well, yeah, yeah. fuck. Yeah. Maybe he is in the gang now. Uh, we're going back to Silver Age. Okay. And we're under the boardwalk, and Nucky and Eli are talking. Apparently, Pop, Ethan... Uh, Thompson wants to see Nucky and uh, you can already see that there's a divide between what Eli thinks about the old man and Nucky. Yeah. And yeah. Eli kind of jealously says he talks about you all the time. You know, you only got two sons and you're the one he always talks about. Mm-hmm. It's like in Breaking Bad where Jesse's parents always talk about him. Right. Cause he's the fucked up one who needs the attention. <laughs> sure. And uh, it turns out the dirty monkey is coming back to the boardwalk and they catch him. Uh, Eli and him turn out together, and it turns out that he is a she, and her name is Jillian. Yeah. Surprise, surprise. Listeners. Yeah, Bazinga. Um, <laughs> I don't know what more we need to talk about this particular scene. Uh, shit's about to get creepy, now that we know that. Yeah. And uh, what's weird is because there were some people on Reddit trying to find out exactly, like, are we a year before? Because... Jillian tells a story about how she, she was twelve at the time, and she was in she was Neptune's concert consort on the op- summer opening festivities, which we know we're about two weeks away from. Mm-hmm. But there's a problem because they've retconned uh, Mabel's death and when that all happens, because we see her tombstone hmm. in the show and her birth date is wrong. Like she would be born during Bronze Age Nucky's storyline if they yeah, went with yeah. the great what so they've had to recon, retcon and shift around some of these dates and the and the Terrence Winters actually confirmed that I think last week in an interview. Okay. That yes, we have played a little fast and loose with the gravestone and birth dates. And also Jillian's a liar. It sure. could she could say that she was discovered as and I think they might have kind of hinted at that to the, at the two barflies because one of them was having this fantasy about I was almost Neptune's concert and my mom dressed for parade. Mm-hmm. She kind of is a little delusional, I think. 
we know Jillian lies to put a good face on things that are unpleasant, like she did in the sanitarium where she's talking about, oh, yeah, my husband and I used to visit Atlantic City, and it was wonderful. Um, I kind of think that maybe that's a met, uh, uh, a made-up story, and she just gets sold as a common criminal, and there's never any of that fanfare. Interesting. I don't know. We'll probably see how that plays out yeah. in the next couple episodes. Uh, we dissolve from that to him seeing Joe Harper uh, waking up from his drunken stupor and being smacked in the back of the head. And he sees Joe as Jillian and calls him a stupid fucking child. Why would you trust me? Mm-hmm. Clearly, and this, this I think, ties together the 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 memories he's having with his present day yeah. like these are actually things going through his mind it seems like it there's been one other scene yeah. where that was apparent when margaret came back yep uh, and he woke up from another dream he was having yep Mabel. Uh, i want to throw this out there i think maybe this kid's name is joel harper oh really that's what i heard from it well i have a hot take but uh, you have a hot take i do no what is that well it's it's in the feedback section oh okay because i was gonna say if people if his name is actually Joel and I didn't mention it, people would email us and say, you guys are fucking idiots. No, so. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's Joe Harper, but... Okay, I will take the bullet there then. So he, he figures out that it's not Jillian and then offers the guy $50 to take him to Rumpus. And Joe says, you don't have to do that, sir. I already work for you. Yeah. They're in Nucky's private quarters in the Rumpus and he's asked to speak to him. He finds out his name is Joe and he's from Indiana and he wants money. him to take $50, but he doesn't want to because what kind of world will we live in if the people only help uh, – if you only help yourself? Did you make the connection to the hat? Oh, of here, course. The $50 hat? So it's a literal – this is the 30 pieces okay. of silver moment. Just just making sure. <laughs> uh, this kid took it, though. Yes. Eventually, he did take it. If this is Tommy's kid – or I'm sorry. If this is Tommy, Jimmy's kid, and he's mm-hmm. out for revenge, he sucks at it. <laughs> why do you say that i mean because people are like i saw on reddit people i i think this is a strong argument if he's there just for revenge he could have killed him a couple of times now and someone said well maybe when he found him there behind the docks maybe he didn't have a gun he had a box full of booze bottles he could have just beat the man to death he's on the ground he's drunk he's disorientated yeah, he could have yeah. rolled him in the water if he just wanted to kill nucky there's either a lot more to this revenge, there's a lot more psychological component to it, uh-huh. or he's not Jimmy's kid, or he's there for a completely different reason. All fair points. All fair points. Is there any Commodore inheritance to be left? Because it felt like Jillian ran that shit into the ground. Like, all she had left was the, huh. the ramshackle house that she was trying to sell. Yeah, I think you're right. Uh, I don't... I don't think there is, honestly. Um, some people were mentioning that there is a scene, I think, in season three where she was taking him upstairs at, and she was saying that you're going to be a powerful man and you're going to run Atlantic City one day. Mm-hmm. Are they going to set it up in the final mm-hmm. scenes if that prophecy comes true? Maybe. Again, I'm I'm all in on the number nine is Jimmy Jimmy's kid sure. theory. Yeah, there's some evidence against it, but... He looks like Jimmy. He acts he like Jimmy. Yeah. He looks like a perfect blend of Jimmy and his mom, honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, this is... Uh, before we move on... Yeah. Nucky has a a very weak jaw 
or something because he gets concussed very easily, doesn't he? <laughs> I mean, maybe it's a side effect of having been concussed Those so badly. Teeth, they just transmit <laughs> shock and vibration right through the cranium. But this the is not the tap. first time where he has been knocked out and completely disoriented, and for like half a season. A blow to the head. The the concussions are no joke. We're I just know. we're just learning that with the NFL and all this, and the kind of aftershocks too, where like once you're concussed, it's much easier for yeah. you to get concussed. It yeah, seems dude. like that was a pretty cool and accurate thing for them to do there. Yeah. Like, just show him completely disoriented. Yeah. Now, I've got my bell rung twice, and uh, if I take a sharp blow to the head even today, it's like, mm. whoa, God, I need to sit down for a minute. Yeah. So, um, anyway, this scene leads directly into him coming out onto his balcony at the old rumpus, and we see the Mickeys leading everybody into an oath of allegiance to Nucky Thompson. Mm-hmm. And he said, I did a, I did a Paul Revere. And it got all these guys up, and he said, "Are we saddle up for showdown or not?" Hell yeah, we are. Nuck, I knew. Nucky I says s- we are. And <laughs> Grandpa Gus, his face is like, "Yeah, yeah." yeah. <laughs> he is so the ready ears, to kill. The pile of ears I'll have. No more sorting his ties and his socks <laughs> and drinking tea. I would be on the front lines. <laughs> Speaking of misdirection, I could tell. I could tell by the camera angle the way that this camera oh, was it's heroic, moving up toward Nucky. Yeah, yeah you could tell. Yeah, Nucky's the ready. That's, that's the way to make someone look like a giant. Um, speaking of misdirection, uh-huh. until Jillian said, my name is Jillian, I thought, sure, we were dealing with a young Mickey, Mickey Doyle. Oh, God. Because he was even talking about running his own gang, and I'm like, I bet this is how Mickey got his start. <laughs> so, so take Mickey Doyle from season one. Sure. The ridiculous laughing <laughs> Mickey Doyle. Compared to what he's become now, he's really toned it down, right? So you got to assume his entire life he's been trying to tone this ridiculousness down. What does a young Mickey Doyle look like you're right i mean he's just a cackling <laughs> he's just a spaz yeah he looks like he belongs in arkham asylum pretty much he is the joker <laughs> i think oh uh, well. the joker in a bowler hat <laughs> he's not competent enough to be the joker he'd be like calendar man <laughs> oh god the worst enemy <laughs> the, the owl super villain something like that yeah. um do you have anything that you want to talk about as far as this episode uh we're not to the very end yet, are we? Oh, Jesus, you're Chuck, right. Chalky has to die yet. You're right. Um, you know, they go outside, and that's the other thing I thought was interesting when I watched the behind-the-scenes for HBO Go. They talked about how this was set up to be like this long, dark night of the soul, that mm-hmm. it starts about midnight and it ends at dawn, and everybody, you know, everyone's going through this personal battling of demons and devils, you know, with, with Chalky huh. yeah. and Nucky. And even Eli, uh, all this stuff is happening, and I thought that was pretty interesting. So now Chalky's walking out. It's the daylight's breaking, and uh, he asked him if he keeps. So at this point, I've realized, okay, Chucky's dead because when they start talking about keeping promises, and you'll you won't know. Uh-huh. And then Narcisse says, "Well, then tell yourself I am." And then Chalky gets back. The you know is all a dream anyway. There ain't nobody ever been free. Mm-hmm. You could tell that. It's going to stick with Narcisse. Yeah. He didn't have an answer for it. No, I mean, look at Luciano, right? Yeah, he's still going to be his puppet. And, like, you're not going to be able to beat these white boys. They're everywhere. You're just here. Yeah. Uh, another s- a solid point. Um, do you think Narcisse keeps his promise? Oh, about daughter? Is he honorable enough in, after his fashion God to keep the promise to daughter? No. All right. Strong words by Jim Jones. No, he didn't keep his <laughs> promise to Chalky. Why would he keep it to daughter? Well, 
one question I have is, are we going to ever see Narcisse again? Are we going to be implied or shown or whatever um, a definitive answer? By I mean, at this point, if they come back to Narcisse, I feel like it'll be like a flashback. Like, remember how The Wire ends? And it's just it's not a flashback. It's a montage. Okay. And you just see like three or four seconds of all the characters and where they're at. You saw... You saw Desmond, and you saw Bubbles, and 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 McNulty, and and everybody kind of like just kind of a snapshot of where they're at in their lives. Mm-hmm. Do you think that we'll get that with daughter as and see her on stage with her with her daughter looking on, or maybe if they want to go for a happy ending, you know? I mean, daughter she, deserves a happy ending for Christ's sake. She does. She does. Uh, if anybody does in this series, she does. They could also go with the kind of downfall of nucky i mean if luciano sure requests narcisse's help in that we could see narcisse again that way yeah true but yeah i just wonder so do you think we'll get closure with this storyline or it's going to be left up to our imagination whether he i i feel like i wouldn't be dissatisfied with him walking out of that alley and that being the last time we see him okay all right that wasn't that was the closure that we wanted between chalky and narcisse certainly I would like to see that da- daughter and her daughter are all right, but I don't expect it. Yeah, yeah. So, um, but again, the, the, this is a beautiful end. It's, you yeah. know, uh, the inverse Stringer Bell, uh, the fact that he stood there and it's like, all right, then, and closed his eyes. You could see daughter's music playing until, and I think that they, they had to put the bang in. To let us know for sure. For sure, that they didn't, you know, Terrence Winters talked a lot about the Sopranos and how a lot yeah, of people yeah, tried yeah, yeah. to talk. Uh, it wasn't David said David Chase. At some point, we're gonna ha- like once you watch that series, yeah. we're gonna have to really talk about that. I would love to do a two-hour Sopranos yeah. cast. I mean, that, it's a very influential show, and sure. from what I've seen of it, I really like it. But you're saying, and I'm, and then the thing Terrence is, Winters didn't like how that ended. He wasn't a fan, so I feel like he, this is his opportunity where he could have done that and said. See, Okay, I don't want to get too far into it, but the way that they leave Sopranos is with nothing. If they had left Chalky's story without the gunshot, but with the sound of the record ending, mm-hmm. I think that tells you enough about Chalky's fate. You'd think. To where you don't need the gunshot. Let me ask you something. Uh, <laughs> I'm doing a lot of Shane impressions lately. Let me ask you something, <laughs> man. Uh-huh. Uh Yes, does, we should put down does, Sophia. Does Tony yes. <laughs> Does Tony die at the end of Sopranos? Let's save it. Okay. Let's save it. If we ever do this cast, I want it to be an interesting thing that we can talk about. Um cuz I do have an opinion on it. I do. Okay, cuz I I do too and that, it's funny cuz I I was not I, I did not watch the show for a lot of reasons. Mm-hmm. But I am definitely a uh, I I followed it vicariously, and I followed the ending very intensely because it's all Bill Simmons talked about for goddamn near a week. <laughs> gotcha. And then I read like the fifty thousand word essay about mm-hmm. you know language of cinema and all that kind of stuff and what it tells us about it and, and the final disposition. And I have even without seeing it, I already have a conclusion. Okay. And then David Simon. I guess got annoyed by someone enough that he gave him a direct answer, and it was completely not what I was expecting. Hmm. Okay, and, well, don't. Yeah. Let, no, this is not the place for it, sure. but I'm super interested now. So, right we on. might do this eventually. Okay. So, any uh, other thoughts about this episode? 
No, I just I I think that record ending is one of the best credit sequences I've ever seen. Just the skipping of the radio the whole time. Yeah, or yeah. The, the I mean, this. Player? Yeah, that's the end of Chalky's story. That is the end of the record for him. You know? Yeah, it's interesting because I spent a lot of time this weekend. Uh, I was hanging out with an old friend of mine who's gotten into vinyl. Okay, yeah. And we spent like all of Friday night just listening to old vinyl records. And I'm not one of those guys that insist they sound better. A vinyl file. But I did, there is something about the, the crack and the hiss and the fact that you have to pretty much fucking listen to a whole goddamn album mm-hmm. without yeah, yeah. getting up and skip track or yeah, going to... Yeah, there's no 30-second skip. You, like, yeah. you might be able to skip a couple of lines But you over. don't because you get up and you put the track and you sit down and you, yeah. just, you just drink and you listen to it. And um, I felt that was kind of interesting because I felt like less than 24 hours later, I was getting that experience and then just the sitting there in a room listening to it, you know, yeah. uh, hit the end of the record. I thought it was great. I thought it was powerful. Sure. I, I had opinions, awesome. opinions on vinyl as well, but not the place again. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe with lunch and Jim and Aaron. Lunch with Jim and Aaron. We'll talk about vinyl records. Yeah. Uh, so what, uh, any other last nah. closing thoughts? Nah, that's it. Okay. Well, let's pay some bills here. Uh, we got a couple things to talk about. The boys doing the Gotham podcast, the Gotham blotter, Eric, Jesse, and Levi have instituted an instant cast. Holy shit. Uh, now it's interesting cause they're all in Pacific time. So the instant casts are quite a bit later than our instant cast, but still, uh, huh. I, I thought that was a, a copyrighted thing that we did as Jim and Aaron. I don't, I don't think they're allowed to do that. Actually. I think we'll have to have a talk. We'll have to take him. our cornerback. Yeah, I think so. No, <laughs> of course not. I'll call it InstaCast. Ah, okay. Yeah, get, no, get that's exciting. That's cool. Uh, so I think that's pretty cool. And um, if, so if you're interested in the new show on the Fox Network, the prequel to Batman, check that out. Also, Cecily and I started up the American Horror Story podcast last week. It was a lot of fun. I thought the season premiere was awesome. And, of course, you do not need to watch any of the seasons. That's the great thing about the show. Mm-hmm. It's a complete story. They used a lot of the same actors. They they return the same actors, but they're playing completely different parts. Hmm. And it's a completely different storyline. It's a completely different era and setting. So uh, it, it was a lot of fun. It's, it's creepy. It was scary. It was funny. I hear there's a David Bowie song in the there 30s. There is an awesome fucking David Bowie recreation of his Life on Mars video. In the 30s? In the 30s or in 40s? The 50s. 50s. Okay. Which is an anachronism. But it is. They don't it give is. a shit about that kind of stuff. Yeah, Ryan, you know, I kind of liked First Night. And yeah, they did, they did they that mixed, shit with yeah. the We Will Rock You Queen stuff. Well, it's just not like Boardwalk Empire couldn't get away with that. Oh, God, no. American Horror Story with <laughs> yeah, Ryan if, Murphy. If Chalky came out of the bathroom, like singing a david david bowie song we'd call bullshit sure sure so um so we got that going on that's a lot of fun that comes that that show uh, comes out at 10 o'clock on wednesdays eastern standard and we get it out on friday afternoon uh we are so close to hitting our goal on patreon to get forums unlocked 150 bucks away yeah uh so if you've been kind of sitting on the sidelines waiting to make that happen we've also we had the, our first lunch with jim and aaron where we talked about the business of podcasting this Thursday, we're going to be carving pumpkins live on the air. We're going to pick out a television. I think it's TV-inspired. That's what I'm doing anyway. Okay. All right. Uh, jack-o'-lantern to carve. We're going to be doing it live on the air. Uh, Shit. See, I've never carved a pumpkin before. Ever. I've only done it once. Last year is a first. Oh, God. So We're going to go to the hospital with <laughs> severe lacerations. Well, the thing is, I think we should clean out the pumpkin first because that's the most time-consuming part. Yeah, yeah. Off-camera. Yeah, and, then... and so we got the cleaned. Yeah. 
we're just ready to put the pattern on and start cutting, and then we should reveal it at the end. We should turn off the lights in the studio. We're gonna have to put down like this queen on there. the or this what's it called this this queen yeah this queen okay sure on the table or so newspapers get... at the very least at the very least it's yeah. not that super messy if you do the if you if, take if the you guts already out got first, the guts yeah. out yeah if you just do with the pumpkin cadaver All right, we'll try that's it. going on if you're a patron uh, top tier patron subscriber you can check that out that'll be one o'clock. Uh, around about one o'clock on Thursday afternoon. Mm-hmm. Um, EST, EST, uh, still subbable is uh, uh, is in the mix there. Uh, if you wanted to get a custom podcast or other custom content creation opportunities, go to subbable dot com slash bald move. Of course, Amazon still works. Amazon dot com. Go to support dot com if you want to find out all the ways you can help us keep making these podcasts for you. And we appreciate everyone, everything that everyone does. And also, by the way, you get tired of me talking about this? $3 a month on Patreon. You never have to hear this again. It's an <laughs> ad-free feed. Indeed. So, uh, shall we get to some feedback? Yeah, let's do it. Uh, Kendra C. had a question that I think a lot of people would want to know. And she goes, I love what you guys are doing and how it's expanded. Um, but she wants to know if it's possible to start a complete Bald Move iTunes feed that literally just hosts every episode on the Bald Move network. I'm subscribed to 10 of your feeds, some for shows that aren't even on anymore. Oh, my God. Because I think they may post something eventually, so I say subscribe, and I'm glad I did for Breaking Bad. That's too many. That is uh, too many of our feeds. But she says that there's someone in, some there's there's a market for people to have a combined feed. Turns out yeah. we actually already have an all-television feed. It doesn't have everything on the Bald Moon Network because we're working mm-hmm. on... Uh, I think what we're going to eventually have is a all-television slash pop culture slash movies feed and an all-lifestyle slash comedy, you know, the Picasso shows and the personal arrogance on that. And we're going to start doing, um, you know, one of the top-tier levels is like custom podcasts and us just talking about you know, random stuff like more Jim and Aaron type stuff mm-hmm. as a podcast. But you go, if you go to baldmove.com and click on the podcast menu, there is a feed for all the television podcasts right there. So that should cut down your subscriptions quite a bit. Yeah. Yeah. And I want to make sure everyone knew about that. So thanks for asking Kendra. Uh, Stacy H said the dude that plays young Nucky needs to show up in Fargo season two as the young version of Steve Buscemi's character from that movie. <laughs> Doesn't need to be a huge role. Just one quick scene would be awesome. Mm-hmm. I think that idea is phenomenal. Great idea. I mean, yep. you know, this was a perfect concept. You know it will work. Oh, yeah. So make it happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, Michael G. said, there's been some debate about Silver Age Nucky's teeth, which I'd like to <laughs> hopefully put it to, to rest. I'm the dude that started the Reddit thread that you mentioned last week. I think the actor does happen to have a plus-size smile. However, it definitely looks like the makeup artist put a touch of some work in there. Take a look at the actor's mouth, and he shows the Google image search that I referenced last week. Where you can see he definitely has some impressive chompers. But then he says, now take a look at his Silver Age Nucky. And he goes a picture that he snapped off his television. And you can see they've installed some... I don't think they made him bigger, but they put some snaggle tooth on his... Okay. Whatever these teeth are. Not not the incisors yeah. uh, or the, the canines. canines. It's the thing that's right. Maybe it's the second incisor. I'm the, not sure what the teeth cuspids, they are. The cuspids? The bicuspids? No, no. Before it's... Fuck. Not your front teeth, but the two teeth... To the side of your front teeth. They boosted them up. In okay. fact, that's exactly what Michael G. said. I stole that line. Because, yeah, I think the natural the actor has natural large teeth, but they did boosted them up for the role. All right. So I think, and, and again, the photographic evidence, it's right there. He's got big teeth, but they're straight. Incontrovertible. He's got big teeth, but they're kind of crooked and uneven. So they did boosted them up. 
Uh, our old pal Shep, he of Breaking Bad and Walking Dead fandom, has gotten mm-hmm. into our Boardwalk Empire and has sent in uh, a take on last season's episode, or I'm sorry, last episode with Nucky offering Chalky the money. I want to believe it's a genuine moment or token of friendship. Even before Nucky nearly got wasted in the cafe and he got the news about Sally, he realized there were very few people he could trust. And he may just have been thinking Chalky's the kind of guy who'd had his back in the past and can enlist him to fill that role again. From Chalky's perspective, the guy was re- uh, recently running with has certainly had issues. Before that, I'm sure Chalky regretted not killing uh, Pernsley in the, that jail cell. So hmm. it's kind of both. They're the devil they know. Yeah. Yeah, it seems like it. That works for me. Um, anyway, uh, King King C said, I'm sorry, but the whole Chalky storyline has sucked ever since Daughter appeared. Dr. Anasis is a great addition what? to Nemesis for Chalky, but damn it, I'm extremely disappointed with the choice that Chalky made this episode. And he made that choice for Daughter. For Daughter, damn it. For the most part, he has lost everything for Daughter. Uh, That's the point, right? So, if... Why did he make that decision? Because he knew... he's a man with nothing to lose at this point. He wants to try to save this woman. So he shoots Dr. Narcisse in the face. Bang. The guys, guy, the, the, the dude's guys flood into the room. They kill him. Did they kill daughter? Probably not, no. Really? Yeah, I, I think he could have killed Narcisse. So wouldn't that be the superior way to go? Because then he died. Not daughter really, would because certainly look be. At the daughter of daughter. I mean, the yeah. daughter of daughter is in that room. If he murders so a man in cold blood right in front of her, yeah. Yeah, that would change her, certainly. Huh. I think that's the whole point of that little girl sitting in the corner of the room. It is, and I, it is slightly disappointing, but it's also very boardwalky. You know, Richard Harrow arguably sacrificed his life, put his risk on, put his life at risk on numerous occasions just to save Tommy. Mm-hmm. If Tommy is indeed number nine and he's involved in Chalk in, in Nucky rather's criminal empire, a lot of that sacrifice is in in vain. And Unless he's got a revenge plot. Still, Richard did not want that for Tommy. No, that's Richard true. Wanted, a normal, he wanted a normal kid's life. Yeah, yeah uh, as much as he could be. So mm-hmm. I feel like it's almost too much to have Chalky throw his life away for something that's not going to pan out too. And I'm, I don't know because if he murders Narcisse in that room. You got to think this. This is the only impression that this little girl is going to have of her father ever. Sure. And if the first time she sees him, he murders someone in front of her. Whereas now, even if she's stuck cleaning toilets, if she talks yeah. about her dad's, like you know, your dad say, sacrificed himself yeah. to save our lives. Mm-hmm. He's a noble guy. That's exactly. A, that's a a useful thing to tell a, a little girl. I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, Diana Lito said, "Really loved the ending of this episode. I love the Chalky's daughter gave." For her, or gave gave uh, gave her own. Wait, I love that Chalky's daughter gave her life for him by being killed in the club, okay. and that he gave his life for his daughter. Aspect. It's sad to see Chalky go, but it's a well written, bittersweet ending that left Chalky the honorable and heroic man he is. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, I like. I, I agree with that take too. Uh, Stacy H said, "Damn, I knew with only three episodes left, we had to see some deaths before the finale, but I wasn't <laughs> expecting two. Yeah. However, I now expect Eli to live. At least one of the original characters have to have a happy ending, right? It was nice to see Lucky Ooh. have an actual army. I was wondering if he was just going to be him, Gus's grandpa, and Doyle against Luciano's gang. <laughs> uh, I I too agree that I. It depends if Eli goes to Luciano." I think he's probably going to die. If he goes to Nucky or just takes off with his family, he's probably going to live. Okay. 
I could buy Do you that. agree with this statement? Nucky or Eli lives, but not both. Yeah. Do yeah. you think Nucky is going to live? Oh, God damn it. Uh, no, which means that Eli has to live, but I like, uh, uh, the math checks out, Jim. It does. It's it not does. me. It's math doing it to you. Damn it. Shane Bowman, uh, love Chalky's conclusion. Michael K. Williams was perfect. Kind of wish they'd faded out on the song and opted out of the gunshot. Otherwise, great up. Yeah. We talked about that, and I'm comfortable with their artistic choice there. I'm I, okay with it. It didn't detract from it, but I don't think it was necessary. Like, when you frame it as Terrence Winter didn't want to pull a Sopranos, mm. I don't really think they would have, even without it. Uh, DEC said, guys, are we supposed to have forgotten about that life insurance policy, or is it going to come back in the last couple of episodes? I hope it comes back. Doyle deserves to die, if for nothing else than just his laugh. All right. I have a different take. <laughs> I think they're deliberately making Doyle out to be a bit of a badass, so that when the money comes into play, it'll make... Because it seems like they're out to make Nucky seem like a real heel. Okay. And if he sacrifices Doyle or Doyle dies and he profits from that, that's going to be one more, you know, or maybe that's what he, mm-hmm. that's how he leaves something. You know, he, all of his plans go to shit with the Mayflower thing and he gets ran out of town or whatever happens with him and Luciano. Um, but the, but, but Mickey ends up dying in the line of duty and he can give that to Margaret and, for, and her kids. So he all does right. leave something behind. Sure. Justin F. said, from boys swimming off the boardwalk to you stupid fucking child, why would you trust me? Uh, I de- think we can definitely now say that Nucky's flashbacks are happening as he dreams or his mind wanders off in real time. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I like that take. Uh, there's a guy named Nelson on the Al- Alan Seppenwall. Van Alden? Yeah, well, I, presumably. Uh, from the Alan Seppenwall's message board. And he said, Alan, I got a little nugget for you. Joe Harper is the name of Tom Sawyer's best friend in the Tom Sawyer books. Hmm. What's Jimmy's son's name? Tommy. Makes sense that it's him. You think it's a deliberate cover? Interesting. Tommy Darmody, Tommy Tom Sawyer, Joe Harper's their best friend. Like Could be. It could be. <laughs> yeah, and I didn't get that literary reference until it was pointed out to me, but I looked it up and indeed uh, hmm. it checks out. So... There's okay. another little hint and piece of evidence, if true. Yeah. Mark from East Vancouver said, just wondering what your take is on the format, format of Boardwalk Season 5. How do you think the series would have played out if it included the bronze and eventually Silver Age Thompson Boy flashbacks? Would it have gotten tiresome? Would it have provided a much more dramatic, tragic, uh, a, a word that I don't actually know, elegiac tone to the Thompson story, especially with Eli's tag team betrayal with the Commodore in Season 2? Want to hear your thoughts on that. So I think what he's saying is if instead of front loading this all in the rear, if like every season, like season one, we'd have gotten Bronze Age. And then season two, we gotten, you know, somewhere between we'd have uh, the Brass Age. Season three, we got Silver. If that had been like a parallel story structure taking us to the end. Mm, it's much harder to pull off. They've got to have a lot more material. Uh, I... I don't know that I would have wanted that structure through the whole series. Yeah. It's fine. It's fine in this season. Um, but yeah, you stretch that out to the entire series and I think it's, it loses its mission a little bit. 
And I complained a lot about it in the beginning because I didn't just really sure what they're doing and why they're doing this because we know all the things they're trying to tell us. But mm-hmm. it, it's kind of it kind of brought me back around to seeing Nucky as this flawed character, this guy who yeah deliberately chose to be a villain, and then you know because we're thinking about like when you know what's the difference in him and Joe Kennedy. An easy place to start is, I don't think Joe Kennedy ever sold a child into sexual slavery. As far as you know. As far as I know. I mean, you know, the Kennedy boys got (laughs) Got up to some shit, shit, but I don't think that's happened. So maybe (laughs) that's the difference is that that the original sin, Mm -hmm. Joe didn't have that where Nucky did. Hmm. Could be. Well, if you got more feedback for us, you can send it to boardwalk at baldmove.com. And of course, we have our... Uh, show threads on facebook.com slash bald move every Sunday night. Got two episodes left to go. Pretty excited to see because there's got to be a lot of crazy shit that happens in the next two episodes. Yes, yeah, gang wars. All out gang wars. And we've already dismissed Van Alden. We've already dismissed Chalky. Uh, yep. We got to figure out what's going on with Joe Harper. We got to figure out what's going on with Eli. Got to figure out what's going on with Mayflower Grain and Margaret. Mm hmm. Lots of balls in the air. We'll see how they land. Uh, Until next time, I'm Aaron. And I'm Jim. See ya.